welcome back, everybody, to the official 615 podcast. And boy, we got a good guest we're going to introduce you to in just a moment. Join myself and my good friend, the Pokester. Greg, how are you, buddy? Doing well. Good to see you, Big Joe. Good to see you as well. We got a fun guest today. All our guests are, are great, but this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you always do this, and, I'm, and then we're like, who is it? Okay. Tell everybody. Tom Morales. Uh, we are at the Southern Steak and Oyster. We recorded our uh, visit with Vicki Yates of News Channel 5 last week here. So thank this Tom and uh, General Manager Hal Buck and everybody down there having us. And Tom is our uh, guest. We'll talk with him in just a few moments. As we will. Welcome, uh, everybody that's listening to the podcast. And many thanks again to WilsonCountyHyundai.com and Wilson County Hyundai and Payne Bone, the great folks at Wilson County Hyundai. Look, if you look around town, all the Hyundais you see driving around, chances are about 95% of them will say Wilson County Hyundai on the back of them because they have great deals, great people, and they strive to make the experience for you absolutely perfect. So visit them online at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. And our guest for the official 615 podcast, Tom Morales, uh, a Nashville native, uh, Father Ryan uh, product, uh, just... um, uh, a business person that started his uh, catering business out of his uh, work at Starwood Amphitheater. Then Tomcat's Catering became the number one caterer of movies all over the world. Uh, he parlayed all of that into Loveless Cafe and then the Southern Steak and Oyster. And certainly what he's done with Acme Feed and Seed and many, many things around town. Just a, a good guy to many as well. Our good friend Tom Morales. Hey, Tom. You had to be reading that. <laughs> I didn't. I, I've, only, oh, no. I, I've done it more than one time. That's what it is. Or channeling my mother. <laughs> yeah. So, Tom, th- hey, thanks for having us down here, by the way, uh, at you. the Southern Steak and Oyster. And that's, a, I guess, just start with that. Uh, the restaurant business, we know what happened to it in 2021 with the pandemic. Hopefully, coming out of it, there are signs of good and bad as we go forward. But where is it with you in your mind? I don't know. I was on spring break with my boys in March of 2020 and the SEC tournament was coming to town. Actually, it was in town and I was about to fly back and they said they canceled the SEC tournament. And uh, I was like, "Mm, this really can't be happening. You know, I mean, I could get into the politics of it, but we were assured it wasn't going to happen. So I thought it would be a two or three week deal. And uh, lo and behold, uh, about a month into it, you know, I just said, well, this is going to be a while. I actually pointed to this fall as the time we would come out of it. I said, when the Titans come back in the fall of 2021, we'll, we'll, we'll be coming out of it. And we are coming out of it. Uh, I don't think we'll be back until like 20, spring of 2022. I, 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 the towers are still empty. The building we're sitting in right now is at, less than 30% occupancy, the Bridgestone buildings below that. And so we count all the businesses downtown count on that for lunch. And we were open for breakfast, of course, at the Southern. So, um, you know, our our sales are probably still 60% of pre-COVID. You know, employment is hard uh, to find people. And there's reasons for that. Most of them are political. But uh, I don't don't really – I don't hold much optimism in government's – solving our problem uh i think uh the vaccine is the best chance we have of it i just got my booster today i didn't know that i needed one until my daughter reminded me that i was over 65 (laughs) (laughs) kids kids these days i know so short take on it i'm i'm optimistic i'm positive uh 
right now we're surviving off the leisure traffic versus, uh, you know, the business. The businessmen that come in here and, you know, they order the expensive whiskey, expensive wine, you know, the biggest steak they can get. That's the customer we like. <laughs> Bachelorettes are pretty, but they like to split hamburgers. <laughs> uh, I was looking through the restaurant owner's handbook, and I don't see how to deal with the pandemic in there. How did you know what to do or anything to do? How did you deal with all this? I think I relied on my mother, Grace, God rest her soul. I mean, uh, she said you're always part of a community but you always got to look to the bigger community and so i'm in the hospitality industry which is a community the business community but when you're dealing with people uh especially in nashville and that's what i didn't understand the divide is that nashville's always been a can-do city when we flooded we all ran down there we didn't say oh it's a hoax you know uh when tornadoes hit east nashville we ran down there we didn't say oh it's a hoax pandemic hits people are dying everywhere and oh it's a hoax well in my book it was uh the real thing the right thing to do and uh it's unfortunate that people profited off it and, and still continue to profit off it so you know i don't know man you can't buy your way into heaven <laughs> you, no, I'm, I'm speechless after that and you're correct with all that so, all right, so we're dealing with it now, and you're optimistic. What gives you the optimism uh, that in spring of 2022, it's going to be much better? Well, I think we're past the pandemic stage. I think it's going to be an endemic, which means like the flu shot, because there's not enough people, I think, went out and got the pandemic, to squ I mean, the vaccine to squash it. But I think uh, slowly but surely, uh, the people who are scared of the of the virus, which I think majority of us were, have gotten the vaccine. And so they're slowly returning to normal. The people who would rather get sick or die just to piss President Biden off, uh, they're going to get sick and, and or die. So eventually we're going to have, you know, immunity one way or the other. And, and, and slowly, I'm, this is the way I feel. I am. I feel no moral responsibility for anybody anymore. That if, if everybody in this country, and that's what's sad, everybody in this country, but not the world, can get a vaccine if they want it. They can get a booster if they want it or need it. So, uh, you know, if you get sick, that's your problem. Now, I even look at it with my employees. I've got holdouts that won't get it. Well, guess what? You're going to get sick. That's the way this virus works. So, you're on your own. Figure it out. The uh, we hear so many things about the employment, this quality people, just not enough go around and many across the board. Maybe that's going to get worse. And also we hear about the supply chain that is just being erupted, but not on everything. It's sort of selective on what's being disrupted and what's not. Where does the restaurant business and, and even larger just business in general fit in all that? Well, it's hard to answer that question without getting political. I think that, number one, we have to do something about immigration. If you employ over uh, 50 people, you have to send only eight states require this. It's a federal law, but eight states have opted in. Tennessee's one of them. So if you opt, uh, so if you employ over 50 employees and any of your uh, green card workers or uh, any 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 of their documentation is off. 
you have to expunge them from your payroll. So we have some of the best people that we have employed. We have to let go. Now, they don't go back to Mexico or Nicaragua or wherever they came from. They, they go to work for somebody that has less than 50 employees. I mean, when they're working for me, they're paying taxes. We know where they are. There's no good reason to expunge them. So I think we start with immigration. There's plenty of people that need and want to make a living and, and, and can do it. And it doesn't fit the optics of the politicians, you know, because they got to make us think everybody's a rapist or a murderer. Uh, so, and I'm a Morales, so I'm a second generation immigrant. So, and everybody in this country, unless you're American native Indian right. is an immigrant. So, so I, I don't get it, but it's a, it's a, it's a battle. We can't fill, we're only open 10 out of 14 shifts at, uh, Acme and we're 14 out of 21 here. So at the Southern, so, and it's, it's, it's people and, and a lot of people are tired. They say, go back to work. Well, Think about a mother who's been home homeschooling, cooking every meal. And I said, go back to work. What have I been doing the last year and a half? You know, so the, the women are, are absent from the workplace right now, too. So th- there's a lot of issues. The thing is, is what I what I see as a community member that everybody's trying to do tit for tat, you know, make political statements, Biden mandates a uh you know, a vaccine for people over a hundred. Well, he should have started at one. Okay. Cause if they're under a hundred, there's, you know, we're sitting here right now teetering, whether it's Southern, whether we open another shift, which will put us over a hundred. Then we have to mandate the vaccine. Okay. Or test. So it puts us in a dilemma there. Then on the other side, they say, well, if, if they opt out and they don't want to take the vaccine and they go on unemployment, guess who has to pay for it? Me. So you freely choose not to take the vaccine. You can't work here because we over employ over 100 people. And guess what? We have to pay for your unemployment. None of it makes sense. And everybody's just trying to do the political thing and score points instead of just doing what's good for the world and good for the business. You talk to other owners, I'm sure, and do you – with you're passionate about what you're talking about. Do some say, oh, Tom, you're crazy. And some say, oh, I'm with you on this. I think right now uh, the business community is uh, pretty pissed off at, at the governor. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a conservative, conservative environment, conservative with my money. You know, what you do in your house is your, your deal. And now I'm called a tree-hugging liberal. <laughs> and and the, the the politics of it are that they're intruding into the business world, which they should not be able to do or they shouldn't do. They're intruding into your personal issues, which they should not do. And uh, that's that's my conservative upbringing. But that word doesn't mean it conservative anymore. Uh, there's 80 something bills right now in front of the Tennessee, Tennessee legislature dealing with COVID. I mean, and, and, and they're all trying to undo mask mandates, undo this, undo that, you know, and none of them are considering the people. If you have a kid that has an autoimmune deficiency disease and he goes into a school with nobody wearing mask, what, what, what's his, what are his rights? You know, so uh, you could probably speak to that personally. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Where can you get a good steak in this town? <laughs> now for some uplifting 
I can tell you where you can only get a steak that's cooked over real hickory wood in this city. <laughs> and that's here where we're sitting. This this restaurant, though, um, it, it was with the flood, uh, was underwater, right? I mean, where we're sitting right now in the Southern State of Oyster, we would be, we would what be? We five, our, ten feet no, underwater. No, Acme was about eight feet. Eight feet underwater? Yeah, the yeah. first floor. But this one. Maybe maybe it would have been wet. I know the basement yeah. flooded here at the Pinnacle Building and set back our our delivery time mm-hmm. almost a year in terms of being complete with yeah. the construction, which actually helped us because then the economy got better and when we opened we were and then when but let's go pre pandemic. Why did this place work? Because I know the numbers I'm, and I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were the number one grocery restaurant in the state of Tennessee uh in twenty eighteen, maybe. Uh the only one in the top one hundred in the country. What worked? Uh, well, I think a lot of things work, but number one, Southern hospitality. Uh, we were voted the best menu in the scene uh, uh, the last two years. I think having that movie experience and knowing that there's extremes on either end, kind of like our politics, where you, you got 15% that are macrobiotic vegetarian or vegetarian or some sort of vegetarian, and then you got another 15%, give me a well-done steak, I don't give a damn. You know. <laughs> so, the, But the vast majority of us fall in the middle. And we designed our menu uh, to 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 reach out to that that universal crowd, really. So everybody on either end is as happy. If you can take care of the extremes, then you got great word of mouth. There's nothing worse than sitting down at a restaurant with a group of eight people and two of them don't find anything to order on the menu. So, so <laughs> Acme Feed and See um, that that building set there for what twenty. How many years? 15, yeah. 15 or 16. Yeah, nearly 20 years vacant. Of course, it was Acme Feed and Seed. Of course, location, location, location. And now, as everything has just grown up around it in downtown. But the vision, uh, I remember, I remember the first time you, I was over there, you were tearing up wood. I go, my God, what are you doing, Tom? <laughs> and But just how that came about and the way you wanted it to come about to uh, honor its uh, its preservation, if you will. Well, it was always a postcard. And, and, you know, for me, when you came to downtown, actually look at it, it looked like a postcard. It should be a postcard. And growing up, my dad used to bring us down, and my mom, and it would be a two-car parade for Madison. And, you know, at Easter, you'd get the dyed chickens and rabbits. And, you know, there was always something going on. Ike and Mike, the, the pigs, they had little piglets. They actually sponsored the Opry. And, and... <laughs> I mean, there was whittlers out front. I can remember that. And occasionally they drop a barge in across the river and we'd get to watch that spray of water go up a hundred feet and fish still swimming in the middle of the air. I mean, it was, that's, those are the memories I have. And, uh, if we were good, we got to walk up to Walgreens and get a, a Woolworths, Woolworths and, and get a milkshake or go to Candyland and get candy. So that all those things wrapped in it was, that was what was driving me to do something to save it. Because uh, the last thing I wanted that be a big hotel or something, and they just tear it down. And uh, we tried to actually buy it during Dance in the District in 1994, but it was so full of nitrites from the fertilizer that they we couldn't do the environmental cleanup. Come the flood of 2010, shoo! <laughs> <laughs> we, we, oh man! <laughs> and so we went back in. And that was actually with the the guy Joe Baker, who's got the uh, old smoky and we were going to do a deal together and it got real expensive he says well i'm out i said well can i take over where you left off and this is the backstory and he said yeah well he'd already negotiated a great lease and everything and 
all I had to do was find $6 million. And uh, we did, and we paid it all back in three and a half years. But when we were designing the, the opportunity or, or trying to make the opportunity pay for itself, I had to look at it like it was four different restaurants just stacked on top of each other. So we did the traditional honky tonk. We did the sports bar, you know, chill area, event space. And then we got up on the rooftop one day and said, we've got it. We didn't have that money. <laughs> Went to the bank and got that money to put the rooftop. That was the first rooftop in Nashville on Lower Broad. Now, what are there, 30 or 40? So, And I see that. You know, when the NFL draft came here, and that was a prime spot to watch everybody up there and do all that. Did you think you'd be wildly successful as it's been? I never really go into something and uh, thinking about money as much as I do trying to think about the experience. And I thought, well, you know, how do I feel when I come to Lower Broad? And I thought, well, I like to just sit somewhere where I can get a real drink, uh, you know, in a glass uh, and a cold beer, really cold. And and so that was the second floor was my space. I said, oh, I tell friends, I say, okay, y'all turn left out of here, go up to Fifth Avenue, turn right, turn right again, come all the way back down, get to Hard Rock, turn right again, and I'll still be sitting here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so the Titans were here, and I was thinking, wow, this would be, uh, you know, look at, you can see the, the stadium. So just twist it up in a cord. Oh, it happens. Okay. So, uh, no, I, I, I was blown away. I mean, we had a, the Ole Miss game, I think, was the first day we opened, and they were playing over in the stadium, I guess, I guess against Vanderbilt or UT, one of them. I can't remember, Vanderbilt, I believe. And they brought everybody to town. And we were like – everybody was pouring beer, doing what we could do, and we were totally slammed. But I said, wow, this is the potential. And then he had the picture of Tom Cruise. Oh, uh, yeah. He was up there on July 4th. We've had uh, – Tom came in for 4th of July. Arnold Schwarzenegger came in and played, uh, you know, the little bowling game up there. And uh, <laughs> Mick Jagger hung out and watched uh, some act there, and no one knew who he was. You know, he's 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 big on stage, but in real life, he's just a slight little guy. He could fit in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah. All right. We, I know we need to do the the yes. this this reset here, but everything would we got, when we come back with Tom, though, uh, can the toothpaste get put back in the tube for what's happening downtown on Lower Broadway? We want to talk about where it is and where it's headed. We've talked a little bit about how it got to this point. Let's uh, do that in a minute. Absolutely. Uh, this podcast brought to you by the official 615 podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Wilson County Hyundai, Payne Bone, and the great staff out there. Listen, I tell you this all the time. You drive around Middle Tennessee, just about every car you see that's a Hyundai was bought from Wilson County Hyundai because they give you great prices, great experience, and great people. That's what Payne Bone and his staff want to give for you. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Tom Morales is our guest. Uh, we are at his place, the Southern Steak and Oyster, the official 615 podcast. And, Tom, uh, I don't know that I necessarily am a big fan of downtown right now. Uh, I like the places. I, I love Acme Southern, and there are places that I want to go to. But to be part of what's happening, I don't know that I want to be a part of that. Well, I have a saying that I use all the time. My marketing department know about, knows it by heart, but – a skunk gets his reputation from the advertising it gives himself. And uh, I think I think all we've advertised probably in the last 10 years is a party in the street. We don't advertise our diversity. 
We don't advertise the different communities and historically what they mean. Uh, we have the Fisk Jubilee Singers who just celebrated uh, their existence. We get the moniker from from Fisk University Jubilee, Fisk Jubilee Singers with when she, city. Yeah, yeah, the Queen of England in yeah. the 1880s. Yeah, yeah. Queen yeah. Elizabeth, and you must come from a musical city. Uh, I don't see any of that on our stages when we when we advertise our city. Uh, we can say the NFL draft was here. Who watches the NFL draft after the first day? Anytime they put a, a party on that street, it shuts down our businesses. Uh, we're better. We have a better Saturday night when when the concert's somewhere else. So, I hope somebody hears this. But I, but like Greg said, I mean, it can can it go back? I mean, is it? Are we too far down that road to ever come back? No, there's a lot of low hanging fruit. Think about when these towers are full again. The log jam that's going to happen. We're, we're not even. We don't even have synchronized lights. You know, we we built uh, wide sidewalks on one side of the street. On the other side, we got uh, you know bike racks. There's the lighting in the city, you know, and, and I remember because I was living in Fort Lauderdale when when they decided they didn't want spring breakers here and uh, there. And, and it doesn't seem to have hurt Fort Lauderdale. I think the police are given the signal not to enforce things until it's a it's a crisis. Uh, if you and I were walking around North Nashville and we had beers in our hand and, and publicly intoxicated, we'd be arrested just like that. So, I mean, there, there's lots of things that the signal has to be sent and, and this is accepted behavior and this isn't, and, and it has to be enforced. It just can't be mandated. <laughs> I remember sitting with you right here one time, you're looking out the window and we were talking and you said the streets can't handle all the people. And I was like, what does that mean? But now that you explain it, I know what that means. Yeah. I mean, you, you got pedal taverns. If, if, a pedal tavern is turning left here on Third Avenue in Demumbrium, and it's gonna. And you're trying to get out of that garage. You're you're waiting three lights, or you're tur- turning right and trying to go down Broadway. And, and so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm for business and I'm for this and that. I remember Shoney's. They used to run a, a, a merry-go-round around the takeout thing. You know, I don't, y'all are young, but that was a hangout place, you know, and they, finally they, they cracked down on it and it quit, but it didn't seem to hurt Shoney's at the time. I mean, they, they prospered. I'm, I'm tired of looking at, I'm, I get health inspections. I get the ABC board come in, comes in here. I look out there, they're selling beer on a, on a cart that's not licensed. <laughs> And, and and we're brick and mortar, and and that's what upsets me too. Sometimes about these big events is they fence them in, they capture all the food and beverage sales, and the guys that pay rent year round. We're looking out there; they can't even get in our door because there's too many people. So there's yes, it, it can yep. be reversed, but it's going to take a, a a real good leadership. Tom Morales with us, uh, our guest, the official six one five podcast. Take us back to Starwood. In those early days, because that was the genesis of Tomcat's catering, which gave you the platform to do so many different things. It was. In 1986, I think, is our first year there, mm-hmm. 35 years ago. And uh, Starwood Amphitheater, for those just joining along now. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, uh, yeah, most people probably don't remember it because mm-hmm. it closed 20, 21 years ago. 
Uh, but we were there 20 years. It was, uh, it was quite the experience. I mean, it gave me a taste. You, you know, you get a rider and everybody says, does the rider really say no green, green M&Ms? Yes. <laughs> does it say multicolored condoms? Yes. <laughs> you know, just that whole, uh, which served us because we always knew what the trend was or the fad of the time was. So, you know, as we built our catering business, we already knew the answers. So that was, uh, to the questions that, and then we, you know, what the funny part of that story was just knowing that it was seasonal and all of a sudden you're looking at six months without any income. And that's kind of how the movie business grew. We, we started, they were doing, music videos had just become popular in country music. They've been doing them in rock and roll, but we were the only healthy caterer. And all of a sudden everybody had to worry about what they looked like on camera. And so, I mean, we were doing all these, and I did a Marty Stewart video with uh hillbilly rock, one of his first ones. And, uh, the guy was a movie a, assistant director. And so he calls me on this movie over in South Carolina. Hey, we're getting mystery meat and gravy every day. Can you bring your grill over? <laughs> And I said, yeah. He says, when? He says, can you be here by Monday? It was like on a Thursday. I took the Budweiser grill, which I was borrowing, hooked it on the back of my Zuzu. I had <laughs> I had, had bought a mobile kitchen. That's a whole other story. But um, And so that was really the first really big movie we did. And that was like Dennis Hopper, Francis McDormand, Gary Oldman. It was all these character actors. And we were in an insane asylum. My wife at the time said, you are insane. Yep. <laughs> how many how many movies? Probably close to three thousand. We did one wow. this summer just for the practice. How far all over the world? Some yeah. of the most. Give us the most more remote. Well, we Easter Island, South America, obviously the most remote. We uh, did a movie that Kevin Costner produced called Rapa Nui. We went to uh, New Zealand for Lord of the Rings. We've been in Budapest every summer for up to COVID uh, for different movies from. We did a Melissa McCarthy Jude Law movie over there called Spy. We've done. Uh, Tell that story because you were supposed to be with us here, and they called you, and you had to go over there. How long were you there for that? Oh, uh, we 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 spent the whole summer for three straight summers uh, in, in Budapest doing different movies, but we we were on a. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it, uh, but it it's an ongoing series for Netflix and. Uh, uh, so when Spy, the cat, the crew of Spy calls you up, did they already have caterers and like the one in South Carolina? Like, God, this is awful. Tom, we need you over here. Well, in the culture of Hungary, it, it's more like a one pot meal. You know, you might get a, it's brown gravy and cow's tongue or something. You know, it, it, it's cow it's, parts. Yeah, <laughs> right. it, it's it's a heartier meal. Yeah, meant to last you all day. Well, you get a movie star over there they it might taste good once or twice but they can't subsist every day off it they're not sheep herders so so <laughs> we actually came over and worked in conjunction with uh the caterers and, and really brought them up to speed on western food and how to prepare it and how to cook it and we took care of the 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 united states people and and, and actually there's a lot of english crew and australian crew there as well were you ever been starstruck I've been like, yeah, actually. I mean, just other like, than now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than right now. But it's a, it's a strange kind of starstruck because like Billy Crystal. Yeah. I'd seen him at West End at the Exit Inn a hundred years ago. And when we were doing City Slickers, it was like he would rather hang out with us. He would love this crowd and talk sports. Uh -huh. And he would be hang out with all the Hollywood, you know, whatever, mucky mucks. And 
And so he would always seek us out and we'd talk and have a blast. But, you know, people like that. I mean, uh, Sandra Bullock was just, she's a sweetheart. I mean, just a, a charmer, uh, Jody Foster. I mean, people we ended up working with over and over and over again with uh, uh, our real people. The, the difference between the rock and roll catering is they're there one day and they're gone. You can say, I'll have it for you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> A movie you say that, you yeah. better have it. Uh, Tom, uh, <laughs> Loveless Cafe. Um, a lot of people credit you with saving it. Well, I tell you what, I I, I sure played a part in it. Uh, uh, the, the thing about that is a memory, too, because my parents coming from Madison, that was another two-car trip, you know, and it would be an all-day experience because back then you didn't have interstate, so you'd kind of drive out in the middle of nowhere, and there's a Loveless Cafe, and we'd eat, I'd eat fried chicken no matter what time of day it was. Mm-hmm. We'd sit on picnic tables. So I read a little article in the paper about it being getting ready to be made into a strip mall. I went to the only two people that I knew that had money. I said, let's let's renovate this thing. And uh, and I said, I know how to do it, and y'all have the money. And so they said, yes, and we did it. And I want to tell a quick story, but... December 28th, three weeks. We bought it on December 3rd, and I've interviewed everybody. I've looked at every nook and corner, and I was kind of getting depressed about what we had to do. Rats were running out from the bottom of it, and the health department was – I watched the exchange of hundreds of dollars of bills so that they would keep their license. And uh, I saw this woman walking by, and I said, She's the only lady that I hadn't talked to. I said, come over and sit with me. And so we're sitting just like we're sitting right now. I said, well, how long have you been here? She said, well, I've been here 18 years. And I said, 18 years? And I said, really? And she said, yeah. I said, well, what do you do? She said, well, I cook the biscuits. I make the jams and the jellies. I do the dishes. I cook on breakfast. On Well, the hair on the back of my neck had stood up because that was the first authentic thing I had found uh, at the Loveless at that point. Everything else was opening cans. The ovens didn't work. They were cooking the biscuits on uh, on biscuit pans and people would accuse us of exchange uh, of changing the recipe, but we had ovens that worked and so they could rise and we cooked them as they went instead of, they would have them all on pizza pans and then just stick them on the broiler <laughs> and brown the top of them. They'd rise cause they only had one oven. And then they, but to keep the volume up, they had them all over the kitchen. Anyway, so biscuit lady, the biscuit lady. Yeah. And so I looked at Carol and I said, Carol, you're going to be the face of the Loveless Cafe. This is after maybe seven or eight minutes of talking to her. She says, what's that? And I said, well, you'll know. We The next day, a guy came in, sat on the toilet. The toilet fell through the floor. <laughs> we were closed that afternoon. Six months later, we open up. Katie Couric comes to town. She wants to interview somebody from the Loveless Cafe. Well, today program, national TV. I mean, everybody was raising their hand. I'll do it. I'll do it. I said, no. Carol Fay, you're the you're you're the face of the loveless from this moment on. And she looked at me and she killed it. The next week she was on Kate, uh, she did Katie Kirk, then she did uh Ellen DeGeneres, she did Conan O'Brien, she did Martha Stewart. It was just like she'd never been on an airplane. The next month she was flying back and forth between New York. So and overnight, like retail sales for a year when we bought it were two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. Overnight, they went to three and a half million. Mm-mm. So it, that taught me the power of media. Father Ryan, uh, of course, people may or may not know this. 
uh, they probably don't, uh, is that uh, you still owe the uh, TSSAA single uh, season interceptions record. I think you had 15. You went on to play at Auburn. Uh, you, uh, your position coach. Was I don't a, know whether I played or, or, or I you, Yeah, but the Auburn. <laughs> but uh, the, I, I, the story of when you showed up at the locker room at Auburn looking for your for your locker. No, you're going to get me here. The Auburn people hate me when I tell this story, but it's a true story. So I show up and Coach Walter. We called him Wood Eye because he had a, a glass eye. Back then, I think it was Wood Eye. But I said, Coach, I, I can't find my locker. And he got out of his clipboard. He started looking for through the papers. And he said, what's your name, kid? And I said, Morales, Tom Morales. He says, oh, you're over here. So he leads me over out of the main locker room where there were probably 70 or 80 people into a little small locker room that's maybe 12 by 20. And there's nine black guys and Morales. Cause they didn't know what I was. So they put me over there with, with but I, th- I thought about it, man. I look around, it's all the stars in the team. I'm in the locker room with them because, yeah. but it was, uh, it was a sad state of affairs in 1972, but you know what? Um, I've been forever thankful for, for the experience and, and going down there and, and enjoying that part of my life. I couldn't get over it quick enough, but <laughs> all right. So, and I, Greg and I are big in this high school football. We talk about it all the time. The lessons you learn, you played for Boots Donnelly. I mean, just the lessons you took away from that man who at the time probably put you down and insulted you like a good coach can do. What did you learn from those days of high school football that take you take with you today? Well, I, I'll say this about Boots. He hated to lose worse than he hated people. <laughs> I mean, because I was I was on offense. I was a quarterback, you know, playing behind Pete Page. I was never going to play there. And one day at practice, he yelled over. He says, "If you're not going to use Morales, send them over here." So I, at Father Ryan, at the day we had 120 people going out for football. You had offense and defense. You didn't have two way players. So I went over to the defense. He says, "Morales, I want you to play safety." And I said, "Okay." And he says, "You know what to do?" I said, "Yes, sir." He looked at me. <laughs> he knew I didn't know what to do. He said, okay, go on in there. And so he put me in the scrimmage, and I knew exactly what to do. And uh, I paid attention. Being a quarterback, you were studying the defense anyway. And Boots, he had a rotating zone defense that no one even in college was doing at the time. So he really coached me into making those interceptions because the, the quarterback, opposing quarterback, would come out. And uh, I would make a call. I can remember them right now. Three right, three left, two, whatever. And uh, if whatever the quarterback, if he dropped straight back, we went straight back. If he rolled right, our zone rolled right. If he rolled left, our zone rolled left. So it would push the corner back up into shallow and bring me over deep, deep outside one third. And uh, for a second, that receiver would look wide open. And most high school quarterbacks, he's wide open. They sling it, and all I had to do is catch it at that point. <laughs> Tom, how important is it to have uh, your daughters Lauren and Kendall involved with really running your business for you now? As you know, you you know, uh, I don't know if you're phased. I'm not kind phased. of. Yeah, they, they are. are. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but having you know your daughters involved and, and essentially running your businesses for you. It's, it's, it's what every father dreams about, you know, I mean, 
they both probably when they're 16, 17, 18 years old said, I'll never work for you. Yeah. And then time goes by and, and, and then they, they're really better at it than I am. And they tell me to shut up. I, like I probably shouldn't be doing this interview according to <laughs> That Lauren didn't say that, did she? <laughs> no, but they don't like it when I tell the truth as I see it. So, uh, but they're they're marvelous. And Lauren has a black and white mind, and Kendall's more like me uh, in terms of never met a stranger. And uh, it takes both of those personalities, and I can get there, but it's painful. You know, I don't like going to that black and white side and, and cornering people. And you know, I'm a hospitality person at heart. You know. 10 kids in our family, we learned to take care of each other. And we were a community too, just as a family. Do you see uh, your mom and your girls? I see my mom everywhere I go. I mean, it's, it's like uh, she was a mother, Teresa, and, and her moniker for all you Republicans out there was GOP Grace. And she could predict the elections, but she said, well, it's five of you are going this way and five of you are going that way. <laughs> but but she lived for other people. She cooked at the Dismas house for 30 years. She cooked for 10 kids for 30 years. And then the last 30 years of her life cooked for people coming out of prison. So so she she had a heart of gold. And I think that's what's missing in the world. We need to come together as, a, you know, put our differences. The, the media, and I don't mean this to, towards y'all, but because y'all let me speak. But most of it's geared to angering people. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and if you just can look past that, we have so much in common and we have so much that we are together on. So I have, I hold out hope. I tell people there's more good in the world today than there are bad, except we're shown the bad daily. Every day. Cause that sells in the, the news. And, and I, uh, I, I do. I, when I do pray and I do hope and I do wish is that, that we we all can come together again. Amen. Tom, thanks for having us. The official 615 <laughs> podcast with Big Joe and me. I feel and, privileged, man. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, the Southern Steak and Oyster, thanks for having us here. Last week we had Vicki Yates from News Channel 5 down and, and today, and uh, of course, uh, GM, Hal Buck, and, and you. You know what I think of you and the girls. Uh, you just You've been so kind to me over the years. So thank you. Thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for the questions y'all asked. Thank you. Very good. Tom Morales, uh, a guy that's dear, near and dear to us, Greg, for, for so long. Yeah. And to let us come down here and crash the party is always Yeah, and we, we sort of knew what we were going to get. <laughs> Which was perfect. We knew what was coming. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. And also, we did it anyway. <laughs> many thanks again for the official 615 podcast. Thank you to uh, Wilson County Hyundai and Payne Bone, the great staff out there. Check them out a lot at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. That's the official 615 podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Greg, good seeing you, brother. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, it's there's, just there's are there are good goodbyes and then there are those goodbyes. are those really final goodbyes. They are Vicky. Thank you. This was thank uh, you. this is our goodbye. <laughs> Hopefully not a final yeah, goodbye. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. I mean, you thank are you. such a staple in this city and beloved, and people oh, think the world of you. you. And please don't leave. <laughs> please don't because you, in, a, in a weird way. You still being here reminds me of my mother watching TV. Is oh, that, I know no, that. No, I understand that. No, of course I do. You know, it, sure. It just it's in a weird, surreal way because she thought the world of you. Never oh, met you, but would watch. You. So when I see you, I'm like, oh, mom, you, it just right. I no, want to go cry. That's now. Great, thank you. <laughs> you that bet. means a lot. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for doing this, Vicky. Thank you for inviting me. And that was Vicky Yates. Greg, what a what an honor, what a pleasure to have her. I mean, I said pure class, elegance, and intelligence. 
in one person. Indeed. And we want to thank Tom Morales and the Southern Steak and Oyster General Manager for Hal Buck for having us down here. And by the way, coming up next week, our guest will be on the official 615 podcast, none other than restaurateur, business person, Friend of many, yes. Tom, Tom Morales, will join us next week. And he's got a lot to say. Again, many thanks to our friends at Wilson County Hyundai for sponsoring the official 615 podcast. Visit them online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com for all the great deals, all the great things they have going out there. And there's a reason people are driving to Lebanon and it's to get a Hyundai from Wilson County Hyundai. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you back here next week.